T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. If we hope to survive in this digital age, we have to think critically about the messages we consume. Someone created those messages for a reason. Let's find out why. Sometimes we just have to ask, what the media? I'm Megan Lynch, virtual consumer editor at KMOX Radio. I'm joined by author and media literacy expert Julie Smith. In this episode, it's a therapist in your pocket. I just feel like, especially with these apps, this is how people end up in therapy forever. We look at the spike in counseling apps. We've seen a significant growth in app-based mental health counseling. Some are tailored to couples, some to teens, some specific religious groups. Others are even being utilized in the workplace as companies look for ways to respond to mental health needs following the pandemic. Our guest is therapist Michelle Russo-Stieg. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm curious for you, what have you seen as far as the growth of behavioral health apps? It's been an explosion. Um, it's a, a billion-dollar industry at this point, and especially since the pandemic. One of the things that people are saying is, yes, it's easily accessible, but what mm-hmm. is it that you're accessing? You know, right. are you really getting the quality? And, so, And what are you missing? Yes. Well, exactly. Yeah. And I think I need to be upfront and honest, like from the jump. I'm particularly biased against them. But I'm sure that, you know, if people are getting help, that's the most important piece, right? So if some people are finding them to be beneficial or useful, uh, th- that makes me happy for them. But I have a, a difficult time investing in it and seeing it really as uh, therapeutic interventions. Social media in general, you mm-hmm. work with a lot of teenagers. What have you seen even pre-pandemic about what all of these apps, and not just behavior or counseling apps, mm-hmm. but social media platforms in general, how do you feel like they've been affecting people's mental health? I mean, I think that's, I mean, it's a loaded question, but it's also a a pretty easy question. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, especially with young adults, but I wouldn't even say it's just young adults. It's adults as well who are profoundly impacted. Obviously, these things have a tendency to lead to sleep sleep deprivation. That's a huge one. But anxiety, depression, The biggest that kind of leads to all that is the constant compare and contrast that young adults are doing when it comes to the apps. Um, The constant comparison, even though they know, like when you talk to them, they'll say like, I know, I know this stuff is fake. Like, I know it's filtered, but it still impacts them. We've heard that. We've heard that phrase, uh, compare and despair. Yes. Which is why I can't get on Pinterest anymore. (laughs) 
Okay. It's the same thing. Yeah. Because you see these parties or this decoration or this Christmas tree and you think this cannot possibly be real life. Someone's real life. Sure. Compared to what you see every day. Right. So we are affected by these social media platforms, but then there's also platforms that attempt to help us. Yes. In what way do they kind of counteract each other, would you say? Well, they're here to help us, but I would say, I mean, first and foremost, it's a business, and I would really encourage people to think about it from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, but so am I, right? I have a private practice. I'm in the business to make money and help people. Um, I do find that it's different though, because I think they're selling people more than they're worth and more than what they have to offer. You know, uh, some of the apps that are out there, you know, they give you access to be able to text your therapist 24 hours a day. Um, I, I think they're trying to sell the image that you are taking care of your mental health, which in, in some aspects, I guess you are, but there is a difference between texting your your therapist through an online app and coming into an office, getting real, getting vulnerable and doing the deep dives and really doing the work because I just feel like, especially with these apps, this is how people end up in therapy forever. And that's where like the cliches come from, right? About therapy. And if you want to heal and you want to do the work, we got to dive deep and do the work. And then you don't have to be in therapy anymore unless you're a loser like me who loves it and you're in therapy, you know, all the time. Um, I just think it sells the experience quite short. On the flip side of that, can we possibly say that maybe, especially for teenagers mm -hmm. who are so used to engaging yes. through social media and text instead of doing things in person, yep. could this be a good front door for them? Could it be... Yeah kind of the first step to to know how to access behavioral health services. I think it can and I think it can be a really good first step in learning to stumble through the language because so much of of therapy is learning how to identify the feelings. Where do you experience them in your body? How is that showing up? And being able to simply identify instead of I'm feeling frustrated, okay? What's the language underneath that? I'm feeling hurt, I'm feeling alone. Okay. And so I think they can be a good first step in terms of like helping people learn the language. Um, I think it can help people kind of normalize the experience of being vulnerable and sharing parts of themselves. Um, but I do think it's probably in terms of, you know, having access to text your therapist. I think that would be helpful uh, for teenagers, but I would also say it's beneficial for them to come in and learn how to do it in person. I'm having a Catholicism flashback because <laughs> it reminds me of the difference between face-to-face -face confession Oof. and the confession behind the screen. Yes. Because it, it seems like it would be much easier yes. to divulge behind a screen, just like it's easier to be a real jerk on screen than right. it is in person. It almost seems like it would be a good, um, an easy way for people who are exceptionally shy mm -hmm. or uncomfortable talking to someone to do it on a screen rather than face-to-face -face with someone in someone's office. Yes. We're talking with therapist Michelle Russo-Steeg. My next question for you is, what do we know as far as, for many of these apps and services, how they're regulated or who actually you are speaking with or 
communicating with? Um, you know, how does someone, how would you recommend someone vet that? I would, you know, when you sign up with these apps, the majority of them, like if BetterHelp, for example, um, states that all of the therapists that they utilized are licensed. Um, but I would really dig into the terms of service because also what happens in the terms of service with um, the apps is you, you need to make sure where your privacy is. Uh, not all apps are HIPAA compliant. Um, we know a lot of the apps are selling some of your information to like Facebook, for example. Um, so I would say the best way to really make sure and vet who you're going to be working through is is going through those those terms and conditions. That would be m- my number one. Let's dig into that HIPAA mm-hmm. and what kind of information they can sell. Explain for people who maybe have not thought through those steps mm-hmm. why that is so, what HIPAA is and why it's so very critical. Yeah, so HIPAA is a law that is here to protect you as a patient, as a client's um, you experience it, and it, <clears throat> excuse me, any doctor's office that you go into, and that secures your right to privacy. So for me, I cannot confirm or deny that I work with anyone unless uh, I have written informed consent or a subpoena from a judge. And so, not not every uh, mental health app is made equal. So with not being HIPAA compliant, um, you know, your phone number could be given out. If they give you any type of mental health diagnosis, you would want that to be under the HIPAA compliant law because once once that diagnosis is out there, there's no there's no real reining that back. That would be my biggest concern uh, as a therapist in terms of that diagnosis. If anybody has diagnosed you on this app, you need to know where your rights are and that that information is not getting out beyond you and your therapist. And see, from a marketing standpoint, I can see um, that information being sold and then suddenly seeing antidepressants show up on exactly. your newsfeed and, exactly. and self-care things The Calm app is showing up now and, mm-hmm. you know, weighted blankets and all of these, you know, <laughs> com- you know, all these different ads that are geared towards self-care are going to kind of miraculously be showing up in your ads. The thing that this makes me think of, remember when all the physicians were just banging their head against the wall because of people self-diagnosing on WebMD? Mm-hmm. You know, and it was like, oh boy, you know, you'd come in, you know, and you wouldn't even say I looked it up online because you know the doctor would be upset. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I'm wondering if we're kind of entering the same thing now where Absolutely. people are going to be self-diagnosing and, and how risky is that? So uh, for me, that's a little bit twofold because... I, I don't hate it if a client has come in, done some real research on what they've been experiencing. I, I love that you're, you know, really thinking about what's going on in your life and you're, you're digging in and really trying to figure out what's going on so that maybe we can help you. Um, I would say in terms of self-diagnosis, though, TikTok was huge for that aspect. Um, How? So I love TikTok. Mm. Clearly, a bit of a junkie with it. Um, but so there's actually quite a bit of really good mental health information that is on TikTok. There's a lot of licensed providers that are out there. But there's also a lot of people out there. Narcissism, the word narcissist, explodes 
exploded on TikTok. And so now everybody who has an ex who was a jerk is a narcissist now. And so um, there's, I don't know. I think, I think that has definitely evolved in ter- because of social media. Um, I think people are more brave behind that keyboard. So they put some stuff out there about themselves and people are really connecting with each other when it comes to that. But we're also misdiagnosing ourselves because sometimes there's an old Freudian expression. Um, it's a joke in the field and it says, before you diagnose yourself with depression, make sure you are not in fact surrounded by jerks is, is what we'll call it on the radio. <laughs> um, and it's, it's very true because sometimes it's, it's, sometimes it's not depression. Sometimes we're just having a really tough go at life. Um, but I, like I said, I don't hate that people have done some research um, but I also don't practice from a standpoint where um, I use a lot of diagnoses. A diagnosis is there for your insurance company. That's it. So um, I don't accept insurance in my practice, so I don't have to diagnose you. Because in my field, if I did, if you would come in, I would meet you, and in 50 minutes, I would have to diagnose you with a mental health disorder. And I'm not in the business of doing that. So... And most of the time, not most of the time, all the time, the presenting issue, which you come in with, is never the actual issue. It's just what we what gets us through the door. I'm learning a lot here. <laughs> okay, so The Atlantic has said that 52% of the accounts on Twitter are actually bots. With a lot of these apps that I looked up, they look like they are, have built-in support groups, like you can yes. find a support group for anything. How do we actually know that the quote-unquote people we're connecting with are actual people? I don't know how to answer that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, to be it's, a rhetoric, it's a rhetorical right. question, really. But I think we have to assume that at least a, a small percentage of the accounts that we interact with online are algorithms. Well, and, you know, there was a big controversy a few years ago when BetterHelp came out, the app, um, for misleading so many of their customers. So they were paying people to write their reviews. And they were paying people to make YouTube videos for them in terms of like success rates and whatnot. And it came out and it really sh- showed who they were and as a company at that time. So I don't know how to answer. That. So bottom line for you as a skeptic of yeah. these apps, give us maybe the top two or three things that you would tell anyone who's considering using one of these apps because mm-hmm. either they need it for the convenience or yep. you know they need a lifeline right away. So I would say first and foremost, obviously, like I said before, read those terms and agreements and know exactly what you're working with, who you're working with, um, where your privacy falls. Um, for me, that I mean, as a clinician, privacy is the number one most important thing for me. Um, but two, I would really make sure you're researching um, to make sure you are working with a licensed clinical social worker, licensed professional counselor, and not just a coach. So there's a huge difference, and a lot of the apps um, are a bit misleading in that. So if I were to go work for an app, I I would be licensed in the state of Missouri. Um, But I could also be a life coach, right? There's no licensing for life coaching. And so that's one of the really... um, slippery slopes because a life coach has no business doing interventions and real therapy. If you're, if, if you're presenting with um, like a strong like trauma history, 
you you should not be working with a life coach. You should be working with a licensed professional. So I think for me, those two are probably the biggest. Um, but I would also I would also say just take your time while researching and looking these apps up. Don't don't just jump on the first one because it has you know the, the best, best rating. The best yeah. rating, and I I would just encourage you. Question everything. You taught me that. It's my mantra. Question, question everything. Question absolutely everything. Pay attention to your gut. And if something doesn't feel right or feel off, don't go back to that person. Let's say you um, you decide to like bite the bullet and you download the app and you, and you start working with somebody. If the relationship is not there, nothing is going to happen for you. If your instincts are telling you this person doesn't get me, I feel uncomfortable, do not go back. Don't ruin the experience of therapy by working with somebody who isn't a good fit. Because when you find that right person, it's magic. That's licensed professional counselor Michelle Russo-Steeg. The American Psychiatric Association points out many claims by mental health apps have never actually been studied or evaluated in scientific trials. The FDA has taken a largely hands-off approach to regulating these apps. There's currently little to no oversight. What the Media is produced by Odyssey St. Louis from the studios of KMOX Radio. I'm Megan Lynch with Julie Smith. Our executive producer is Beth Coglin. We invite you to visit KMOX.com for more on our media literacy project. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.